0: Welcome to the Energy Intelligence Podcast. My name is Luke Johnson. I'm a senior reporter at Energy Intelligence, and this is the latest in our series focused on competitive intelligence and corporate strategy in the energy sector. I'm joined today by our head of competitive intelligence, Casey Merriman. Hey, Casey. Hey, Luke. Good to be back. It's been a while since we've done one of these things. It has been. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, today we're going to talk about the US majors, Exxon and Chevron, and how they are positioning themselves for 22 2022 and beyond. We are speaking just after both companies presented their earnings for 2021 and the fourth quarter, and I don't think I'm breaking any news by saying that it was a very good year and quarter for both companies. Revenues and profits were at levels that have not really been seen since the last real oil boom in the first half of the last decade, and the companies are coming into this year with the confidence and the cash flows to execute on their ambitious operational and shareholder returns plans. And underlying all of this, of course, is a very strong oil price currently hovering just below $90 a barrel. So Casey, now that we have decidedly moved out of the market doldrums that we had maybe grown accustomed to in, in 2022 and in the first part of 2021, I, I think the big question now is how the industry and, and these two companies specifically will react to higher oil and gas prices. So based on what we heard recently, have we seen any change in plans from either Exxon or Chevron in terms of their expected spending or activity levels, given the current bullishness in the oil sector?
1: Yeah, so I would actually kind of break it up into kind of two parts, right? So are we seeing anything that was not previously expected? No. But are we seeing change? Absolutely. So long before we we looked at $90 oil in the eye, um, you know, Chevron and Exxon, Had planned on 2021 being a trough in their spending, right? So, you know, even though uh, oil and gas markets ended up being much stronger than expected last year, the companies stuck with their very, very conservative budgets and essentially used all of the extra cash flows that were coming in to do other work, right? They, um, you know, retired debt much more aggressively than planned. They restarted buyback programs, they raised dividends. and all that kind of thing to basically try to position themselves to just be on a much better financial footing moving forward. You know, given the pain that that 2020 kind of exacted mm-hmm. on them. Um, but what what we're seeing now is capital spending is absolutely going to increase this year, and kind of in a you know big way with Exxon's plans, it could be you know six billion dollars of more spending <laughs> this year. That's that's quite a lot. So, but but it's within the confines of previously stated medium term investment plans which remain downsized from pre covid plans right so so we'll absolutely see more activity there's a lot going on a lot of you know interesting things to talk about but it is not driven by the oil price bullishness it's more that 90 dollar oil makes that a lot more comfortable
0: mhm yeah so just looking back a little bit, I mean, mm-hmm. was there financial success, Chevron and Exxon's financial success in, in 2021, and especially the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. uh, due primarily to the higher oil and gas prices, or were there strate- uh, you know, strategies mm-hmm. on the financial or operational side that also paid off for them?
1: Yeah, so I think Exxon is definitely stands apart in terms of its strategy really kind of adding an extra layer for them in terms of paying off. I mean, they um, were, were very, very much um, kind of cut at the knees a bit by 2020 and mm-hmm. they were, you know, kind of hunkered down and and put all of the, the benefits of the oil and gas prices to work last year, right? So, um, you know, Exxon said earlier today that their breakeven price, um, so essentially the price of Brent that they need to self-fund their capital expenditures and their dividends fell to $41 last year. Um, Energy Intelligence, we had calculated their breakeven in 2020 at $71 a barrel, right? And then they laid out plans for, they expect that to actually fall below $35 a barrel over the next few years um, as they continue to bring on both um, much higher margin and lower cost production, led by the Permian and Guyana, um, they have an, a number of really attractive downstream projects that they kind of slowed down during the height of the of the downturn, um, but are fully back up to speed on. And in addition to that, the company has been going through kind of a pretty extensive and exhaustive restructuring. And uh, even just yesterday, they announced that they're going to kind of further simplify their corporate structure and all that work is supposed to save about six billion dollars in costs um between 2019 and 2023 so so absolutely there is a lot of self-help in there for exxon and they really had a lights out end to 2021 chevron's fourth quarter was uh, a bit a bit bumpy um it was a kind of a messy quarter and they 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 missed on a few fronts on the earnings front but if, if you kind of take a step back and look at the bigger picture. You know, it remains uh, the major with kind of the strongest balance sheet. It has had the strongest dividend growth and was able to carry that through the dividend. Its shares just recently hit all-time highs, which the other majors are kind of far from doing. And so, you know, it's kind of more, say, a bump in the road. But as a whole, uh, you know, Chevron has been really, really successful um, with its kind of focus on, on shorter cycle production to to emphasize shareholder returns and was really able to kind of deliver that through through an, a nice additional dividend uh, increase and uh, again it's um, accelerating its share buybacks as well.
0: Okay, so that's the kind of the the story of what has come up till now. Mm-hmm. But just looking forward, um, you know, the higher commodity prices today are are going to be a, a real test of mm-hmm. the of the capital discipline strategy that. You know really took hold the past several years and and the temptation to accelerate growth it, will be undeniable for many of the companies we follow both the majors and the independents and we've heard many times now that the you know the private companies have really no qualms about <laughs> ramping up uh, activity to to chase the commodity price but at least for now it seems like most public companies are are remaining disciplined um did did we hear anything out of exxon or chevron to suggest that there might be a point at which discipline just no longer makes sense and the and the temptation to grow is just too hard to resist
1: yeah so i think the majors are in a bit of a different case they have a little bit more wiggle room in in some respects and a lot less than in another And and i think it's kind of important to kind of quickly run through those so in in when it comes from a budget standpoint from an actual reinvestment standpoint the majors have put forward ranges for their medium-term spending right and even for this year exxon's capital spending uh, guidance is 21 to 24 billion dollars that's quite a a large range for a single year right and so there is some flexibility within that if markets are very strong to to bump up what is reinvested and and Mm -hmm. certainly you know i know we can get into it a bit but in places like the permian we're we're going to see a return to some very strong growth uh, there however it is not necessarily growth in the aggregate right so for example chevron's production will actually be kind of flat to maybe down three percent this year uh, because it allowed a couple uh, contracts to expire in southeast asia they were up for renewal and After some pretty long negotiations, it just did not feel like it could get the fiscal terms where it was competitive in its portfolio. So it was kind of willing to take the hit. Similarly with Exxon, uh, CEO Darren Woods was very clear today that um, at the company level, do not expect much uh, movement in its overall production. It is not chasing volume. It is absolutely looking to improve value. And so while they're there can be some flexibility, and and I certainly would expect you know Exxon and Chevron to try to work within this kind of framework to respond to continued high prices, you know any kind of signals of, of, of supply shortfall and such. It's not going to kind of break break that framework, and, and I think you know as we kind of listen to the independence and in the, in the coming weeks and such, uh, I think it'll be. More of, of the same, right? So, you know, maybe they would be allowed a little bit of growth, but this is not going to be growth driven by the, the the ticker price on on WTI.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So you alluded to it a, a second ago, but um, mm-hmm. let's let's focus on the Permian for a minute. Um, you know, both both Exxon and Chevron have designs to you know really start to rank among the largest Permian producers or or, or grow their their share there. Mm -hmm. When is that expected to happen, and and what is it going to take to pull that off?
1: Yeah, so uh, both Exxon and Chevron, uh, again, uh, have put forward some pretty – substantial growth plans in the Permian this year. I mean, collectively, just the two of them are going to add about uh, 170,000 barrels of oil equivalent a day of production this year. And that's, that's, again, nothing to, to kind of uh, overlook, Mm. but what they are, there's, they're essentially putting it within the, the, the framework of, look, we, we, a couple years ago, we moved these assets to be free cash flow producing assets earlier than we maybe outlined before. Um, So these are self-funding programs. We are, uh, we have, uh, you know, medium-term growth, you know, plans, but they're not targets in the sense of we will reach them at any price, right? So um, this is more about again, the, the oil price comfortably is allowing Exxon and Chevron to kind of get back on track. But, you know, Exxon was still able to grow its Permian output 25% last year um, with a, you know, a rig count that was less than a fourth of what what it was doing before COVID. Um, it has, a wow. um, you know, efficiency, uh, development, um, high, um, high grading and such to kind of think for that. But, you know it's now expecting 25% growth again this year chevron's is at about 10% um and it but it has kind of significantly more growth planned for the coming years so you know again just to kind of go back uh the reason why we're seeing this is that uh for both of, the, of these companies they really see the permian as providing Um, some of the most attractive barrels in their portfolio. Um, So they, you know, they like the margins. um, They're continuing to tackle emissions. So it's also some of the less carbon intensive production in their portfolio. And so the growth here is to help them kind of cycle out less competitive assets. Um, Chevron is expecting some absolute growth over the medium term. But it, again, it's just kind of not, wheels off growth at, at any price. But it's absolutely um, a, a, a space to watch for these companies. They are, are big needle movers for sure.
0: Hmm. Okay, let's shift gears a little bit here and and look at the Gulf of Mexico. It's mm-hmm. been, been in the news lately. Um yes. It, the Gulf plays a, a very different role in the portfolios of these two companies. It, it's, it's really a core holding for Chevron with, with years of expected growth in the short and to medium term. Mm-hmm. Exxon, on the other hand, is actively looking to exit its deep water E&P holdings, but it made what most of us saw as a, a, a targeted but ambitious push to acquire a whole swath of shallow water acreage that we assume will be used for uh, future carbon capture and storage projects but then the latest news out of the out of the us really throws a a big monkey wrench into both companies plans presumably um as most listeners are probably aware a a judge has effectively annulled the results of lease sale 257 that was held uh, in november last year and Exxon and Chevron happen to be two of the biggest winners of that sale in terms of pursuing their individual strategies. But now there are really more questions than answers about the future availability of oil and gas acreage in the Gulf, kind of full stop. Mm-hmm. And we really have no way of knowing how this is going to play out. But in the meantime, how are these companies or others who are active in the Gulf of Mexico supposed to view this region? I mean, can, can the Gulf of Mexico still be counted on as a as a reliable place to do business?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's such a huge question. As you say, it has really significant, albeit different implications for both these companies. Um, you know, I think um, Chevron CEO Mike Worth, you know, captured what has been an, a, a Chevron line and an industry line. But I think you know, speaks to uh, some of the concerns here is, you know, he flagged again that the Gulf of Mexico is one of the least carbon intensive assets, not only in Chevron's portfolio, but uh, that the industry has to offer. And so, you know, if the U.S. were to do something to impede its development um, and, you know, domestic demand isn't changed in any fashion we would simply have to import that oil from elsewhere it would likely have a higher carbon footprint and then of course there are economic considerations you know for for being more dependent on it on imports than domestic supply but you know i you know he said that obviously you have to take a closer look at the at the ruling and see what happens but that he was disappointed in it and you know it really would be a uh, be a big big blow for sure you know and i think and in, in Exxon's case, you know, as you kind of alluded to, it, it really appeared that that their interest in this lace sale was around CCS, right? And they're they're trying to kind of organize the pieces to put together this like unprecedented massive CCS hub um, in Houston. And the idea is that captured CO two would be stored in the Gulf of Mexico and it looks like that you know what they had bid for would have would support that so if that gets kind of caught up in this as well you know it's maybe a bit ironic but um you know they could have kind of wider implications for you know what how the industry is looking to try to adapt itself right exxon isn't the only company that is looked to the goal is looking to the gulf of mexico uh you know for ccs um and so if if that kind of kind of gets impeded in any way uh it could really really put a dent in these kind of already early stage and kind of daunting plans, right? There's there's a lot that ha- will have to go into, uh, you know, from a regulatory standpoint and such to make, make those kinds of projects work. So if this somehow gets caught in it as well, um, you know, it could really kind of maybe force some strategic rethinking uh, for some of these companies, you know, as they're trying to be more ambitious in the energy transition. So yeah, it, it's it's a, it's, is it's a big deal. You know, I, it it cannot be kind of overstated, especially since this is um, kind of the third legal case, if you want to look more broadly, where kind of environmental reviews have been called under question. So, you know, not just Chevron and Exxon, but the industry, you know, needs to watch this space, um, I think with some, some alarm.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think just to, just to make another point on Exxon, I mean, they, as we said, they're, they they are actively looking to exit, and they got this package of deepwater assets for mm-hmm. sale that has been for sale for years now and it you have to wonder I mean does that this make it more or less likely that that, that package moves I mean if if acreage is less available is it going to open up you know more M&A opportunities or people mm-hmm. are going to be more eager to sort of acquire things you know sort of inorganically or is, does it make it that much harder for Exxon to to sell its assets because people are scared off by the by the political risk it's Another one that is hard to answer, but yes, is, is just, uh, something I'm sure they're thinking about. Um, well, not in in uh, Dallas or, or in Irvine, Irving for now, but uh, soon, yes. soon to be in Houston, um, exactly, when, or the Woodlands when Exxon moves down here. Um, okay, well, uh, I think we need to leave it there for this sure. conversation. Um, thank you very much, Casey.
1: Absolutely, thank you.
0: And thanks to everyone for listening. Please be sure to go to our website, www.energyintel.com, to read more of our news and views and to subscribe to any of our services. My name is Luke Johnson, and we'll see you next time.